welcome to the Business Success Club. I want to say welcome and you are in for a treat in this group. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. And on this podcast, what we really want to establish is this. How do hardworking entrepreneurs build profitable and scalable businesses whilst having the freedom and balance to do the other things they love? like family, vacations, sports, fun, adventures, and charity. So let's tune into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Business Success Show with me, Mac Atram. And today, I have the great honor and privilege to interview Bruno Peshek. Now, we are in for a treat. He's coming in all the way from Oslo, Norway, a country I've visited many times, and I'm sure it's very cold over there. Hey. Uh, Bruno, <laughs> what's the weather like over there? <laughs> well, first, Mac, I'm so happy to be here. Second, uh, it's snowy white and getting colder. <laughs> wow, I can just imagine. I can imagine. Bruno, uh, Bruno, for those who are listening in, Bruno helps business leaders innovate profitably. So if you have a business idea, a business concept, how do you turn that into money profitably? Mm, so mm, we're mm. going to learn more about that in a moment. He's one of the rare innovators who can claim that he has worked on the on regulation-defined freight train and an award-winning board game for teaching entrepreneurship and innovation. So he's gamified learning entrepreneurship, which is fantastic. Well, you're in the right place. He has a great academic background, great entrepreneurial background, and close to my heart, he has a martial arts background. And uh, we, I'm sure we'll touch on that at a moment, in, a, in a little while as well, because um, it, it, it is very, very interesting. So listen, Bruno, welcome to the Business Success Show. Tell us a little bit about your entrepreneurial background. Um, what's been going on with you? How did you get started? Mm-mm-mm. So uh, first, thank you for a great interaction. Uh, second, uh, what I like to say, a lot of things in life, I was kind of uh, at the right place in the right time. Uh, so I sometimes say, you know, I got lucky and then people say, well, you did get lucky, but if you didn't, you know, if you weren't prepared, you wouldn't be able to, you know, grab the opportunity as hand. And uh, for entrepreneurship, uh, I was always a curious guy. And while I was studying uh, to be an engineer, I was always applying, you know, for student competitions, different events, etc. And that is kind of where I got this bug, you know, that everything is possible. That even though I'm a student with no budget and no backing, if I have a good idea and I work on it, I will find people to support me. of course, as a student, most of these ideas led to failure, but it didn't matter because I learned so much. And when I went from the college, I started working as an engineer in defense, and I remained engaged with different startup communities, both in Croatia and in Norway. You know, I would always be part of the community, etc., help other entrepreneurs while I was also working as an innovator. Mm-hmm. And what, what, what I had good fortune of is experiencing what I say, both corporate entrepreneurship and real entrepreneurship, because those two are similar, but very, very, very different challenges. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Fantastic. You know, you know tell us a, a bit about your book, um, your book, Augmented Strategy. What, is, what do you mean by augmented strategy? What is that? Uh, and and tell us, give us some insight about the book. Yeah, I'd love to. So uh, 
I love how you enunciated augmented strategy. What's what's augmented strategy? Especially today, everybody is talking about artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, fear of robots replacing humans, etc. And my take on that whole thing, together with Dr. Dominic Delerman, who is my co-author, is that we humans have always leveraged technology to augment our capabilities. I mean, if, if you look at the human race, of mm. course, there are difficult things happening on right now. But if, if you look a couple of thousands of years, our progress is amazing. Yeah. And that is possible because we're able to use things to augment our capabilities. So we are able you know, to scale things massively. Of course, there are side effects that we need to, to address as well, but that's part of the learning journey. Specifically, augmented strategy is looking how to use all the data around us in the world, in our organizations, in businesses, in ecosystems to make better decisions. And, you know, it goes into details around four specific data sources like operational data, customer data, ecosystem data, expert mm. data. You know, I, 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 I could go for hours, but uh, the, 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 key, the key message is that all the data you need to make a good decision is already available to you. And that is kind okay. of our, our bottom message, you know, uh, forget about big data. What you need is specific data to make the decision. So let me, ask, let me ask you a question. I, I understand what you're saying. For our listeners who are saying, well, I'm running my small business. I'm not a big corporate company. I don't know how this applies to me. As a small business owner, how does that apply to them? Augmented mm -hmm. strategy and how can they utilize that in their day-to-day -day operation? Yeah. You mentioned it at the beginning. Uh, every small business owner, uh, they have an idea. And the question is, how can I make money on my ideas? You yeah. know, uh, what, what's very risky for every business owner, especially small businesses, is because they don't have so much resources, they cannot really, you know, have too many misses. You cannot have seven ideas in a row that are all failure and burn your accounts. So you always have this question, is this worth my time? So it was just last week I was working with, with a group of small businesses in uh, Wales yeah. and uh, they, were, they were talking exactly that. They said, okay, Bruno, I'm running a business full time. I don't have so much time to, to work on innovation. I don't have so much time you know, to, to work on new ideas. So what's always a big question for me is how do I select the right idea? And what I suggested is first, don't, don't, don't even try to select ideas. You need to filter them first. What I mean by that, especially as a small business, you should always have a very, 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 very clear understanding of who is your customer and what are you doing for them. And I'm sure your listeners have heard about it in, in other episodes that you had and from other guests you had, but that's so worth repeating. What they don't hear so often is those are your filters. Think of it as a sift. You know, when you have flour and you put okay. it through the sift to, to break it into smaller particles so you get a nicer bread or a nicer cake or, or whatever. Right. Think of it the same way. Like you want to have filters that you will filter your ideas through and then only analyze the things that pass through your filters. If your idea isn't about the customers you're currently serving and not using the capabilities you currently have, be it operations, resources, uh, your people, yourself, mm. it's probably too risky. It's probably too expensive and you will not be able to profit from it in the short run. So that, that's your first step. That's how they can leverage 
what you ask me. And then the next step, when, when they have multiple ideas, and for example, it's about introducing a new product, but they don't have capabilities for it right now. So then the question becomes, okay, I don't have seven months and I cannot go and hire a, a PR agency. I cannot go out and hire and market analysts or whatever. I need to figure out myself, is this worth doing? Mm -hmm. And this is, this is where augmented strategy kicks in. So first, I want to look at the data I have, historical data I have in my organization. What I mean by that, talk to your accountants if you're not doing your own accounting, mm -hmm. figure out you know, which of your products have been showing returns what's the margin on them small businesses usually don't think that that uh, margins or things like that are important but they are because yeah. if you have three products in your portfolio you want to understand what's the margin on them because the higher the margin is the more you actually have leeway to reinvest in your own business so that's operational data then start looking at the customer data figure out what have customers been telling you have you received any complaints? What about the phones? It all depends if you're in the B2B or B2C, even as a small business. Yeah. And then reach out to these customers. Figure out, don't ask them, would you like this? That's a silly question. Why would anyone say no? Especially if they like you as, as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Don't ask, would you like this? Try to figure out, what are you using my product for? What does it do for you? How, how does it fit in your daily life? What does it help you achieve, accomplish, etc.? Now, that's useful data. Yeah. And then don't forget, even though you're a small business, don't forget your own employees. They're your best asset. If you're alone and you have three employees, I mean, leverage them, use them, ask them for feedback, discuss with them, include them in the conversations around business. As I said, small business owners, are usually the drivers of the whole business. But that doesn't mean that it has to be that way because leaders is successful when people start leading as well. And not only that, leader profits from that as well. When people have more agency, when they're self-starting, when they start bringing in ideas, sure. etc. So yeah. I'll, I'll, pause, I'll pause here for a moment. <laughs> We're having that conversation. Let me ask you this. So can you give me an example of a company maybe you worked with or you helped a small business who they were i mean you mentioned whales just now that they're considering doing something they're not sure if it's going to work you came up with your you you went through your augmented strategy um and they were able to start something or create something or innovate something or disrupt something um any, any example of um any product or a company or a service or of some sort so so our audience can really yeah, mm. how important mm. this is. Mm, mm, mm. So, uh, big disruption hasn't happened yet, but uh, big disruption also takes takes time, and that is something uh, people also forget. I think disruption happens overnight. Uh, I'm trying to think of of a specific example that I can uh, remove some parts of. So yeah. there, there is there is a, a great startup in uh, Norway. I do not claim the whole success for them. That's also right. something important for, for startups and small businesses. Uh, they have to do a lot of work themselves, even, even if they have external help. And that's that's why I like to say, you know, it's 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 all on them, even when, when experts are there. Oh, so, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So in, in this case, the, this, this startup uh, was looking at dealing with the problem of food waste mm. and 
trying to do that profitably. So not just going, you know, for, for subsidies from the country or from subsidies from, from the local offices, but say, hey, can we actually build a legitimate business that's about uh, impact, food waste removal, kind of, you know, contributing to the green goals, sustainability goals, etc. As I said, without necessarily being a B Corp or something similar. Right. So what they started from is understanding, okay, there are processes for actually saving food from wasting away. You need to notify people what's in their fridge. You need to figure out, you know, when is the food going to expire? And what they started in the beginning is they thought our customers are going to be people like you and me, Mac, who mm. have food in the fridge. So if I'm uh, environmentally conscious and price conscious, I don't want to throw my food away. That mm. was their first assumption. Now, uh, thinking about customer data, and their operational data, they started testing with these different customers. And what they realized is that even though people would do that, that wouldn't actually bring enough money to the business itself to make the business actually sustainable. So mm -hmm. what they found out was there are people that love the problem and that want the solution, but the volume and the pockets aren't deep enough. So mm -hmm. they said that customer data is telling us that we need to find another customer if we want to make this business. So they turned to the business side. They, they had an assumption, okay, restaurants, they throw a lot of food away. Supermarkets, they throw a lot of food away. Hotels, they throw a lot of food away. So they started, okay, let's now start looking for the data in those customer segments. Wow. And long story short, they did find out that especially supermarkets and restaurants, not only can they save food, but they can save a lot of money as well because once they have systems for detecting which food will be spoiled in a week or so not not tomorrow not this morning then they could actually reprioritize their cooking schedules uh, their catering schedules their delivery schedules and use it because it's good food it's not spoiled food but <laughs> if it goes undetected it will be spoiled now going back to that to that small business they found a revenue stream that is sustainable and that can actually fuel the business that can pay their salaries while at the same time they're contributing also to the environmental goals of the country and hopefully of the world as well. You asked about disruption, they're now trying to grow outside of the Scandinavia. So I, wow. I hope they do. <laughs> no, that, that's great. I mean, that, that's a great example. And you know what I love about what you just said? They had an hypothesis that the homeowner in their fridge wasting food and they went to test that hypothesis and, and using your strategy, augmented strategy, actually it's not gonna work. There is no business model there. But realizing that there are other people who food, work, throw uh, food away, there was more of a business model there because the, they, that was the right client with the right problem. The first one was the right client with a, no problem. That's a problem. And when there's no problem, there's nothing to sell. There is no business. So I love what you just said there. So thank you, thank you for sharing that example with us. Hey, Bruno, tell us a little bit about your martial arts background. Um, I've been practicing martial arts, various forms, uh, for over 38 years now, 38 years. And in the last 22 years with um, the Honorable uh, Grandmaster Trevor Nichols here in the UK in Taekwondo. Um, mm. So uh, yeah, so I'm always, uh, interested in speaking to other fellow martial artists who are also in business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I, 
I still haven't practiced as much as you did, but I hope I will reach that, that milestone as well. So I have around 25 years. I've been practicing since, since little kid uh, because of my father, among other things. I started with uh, karate. And I practice, you know, uh, Thai boxing, uh, Greek style wrestling or Olympic wrestling. But uh, what I've been practicing for the longest and the discipline I'm an instructor in is uh, Thai Jutsu and uh, Jujutsu. So I traditional Japanese martial arts. And uh, what what I enjoy a lot, and I'm sure this is familiar to you, is kind of the discipline that comes with martial arts right. and I, I i found that and keep finding that very useful in business uh, mm. both both as innovator and as a consultant you know how it is i mean we've seen it with the pandemic things can change overnight Definitely. and to me that, that's kind of the core of martial arts you never know what's going to happen yeah. but you must be ready for everything always wow <laughs> So you're saying martial arts helps you with discipline, discipline in your life, discipline Mm. in your business, and always be ready, be prepared. Because you know what it's like when you're in a dojo, uh, we say dojang, and you're on the mat, and you're doing what you have to do, you don't know where it's going to come from. It's going to come left, right, back, forward, and you just have to deal with it. Same as in business, right? Exactly. And another very, very important lesson, uh, respect. Mm. Because... You're on the mat and when we spar, you know, I want to knock you out. You want to knock me out, but we are sparring because we want to become better martial artists. But, but once the sparring session is done, we're still friends. We still have big respect for each other. And I think that's so, so important in business, especially when we discuss ideas, because what I like to say is, you know, go hard on ideas, but be gentle with people. So, Mac, I respect you, but I, I want to openly discuss this idea. So, e- even if I respect Mac, I, wa- I want to be able to say, you know, Mac, this idea, I think A, B, or C will not work. Mm. So, kind of, ca- ca- can you explain your thinking behind this? That doesn't mean I'm disrespecting you or that I think anything lesser of you, but we need to be able to spar hard on ideas. And, and, and that's, that's the concept that I think all martial artists understand, yeah. uh, but... You know, people that don't train, I need to show it to them, explain it to right. them, you know. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. So why, why do you think that happens, that some business owners or entrepreneurs or, or that have a team, however big, or even uh, executives fear mm. innovation? Why does that mm. happen? And um, what, what's the real fear there? Mm, mm, mm. So uh, here, here it's, um, I would say, in my experience of, uh, root cause for fear is a little bit different between let's say uh, small business owners and executives Mm. Uh, small business owners because businesses are usually extend extension of their person right so if if you know if their idea fails they also feel personal failure like i'm failing as a person i'm failing as a business owner as a father as a mother as a spouse you know so so it it really hits on their ego and of course then when when the perceived weight of failure is so big you become very very hesitant when it comes to people in the larger organizations it's something similar, but they don't feel the business is necessarily an extension of them, but they do feel the fear of losing face, losing mm-hmm. power, and of course, perhaps losing their job, salary, bonus, whatever. Wow. Because one thing, and only one thing is true about innovation. It's uncertain. 
<laughs> no guarantees. Yeah. So even if you do everything right, you get the best experts in the world. No one can guarantee that this specific idea will be a great success. Mm-hmm. And of course, then that, that makes it, you know, a little bit less attractive, a little bit more fear inducing. But the good thing is, and I'll focus here a little bit more on, on the small business owner. The good thing is when they realize that investments can be small, it doesn't have to be big swinging for the fences, crazy throwing my whole business behind it. An investment into testing an idea can be as small as you know, 100 pound, 100 dollars or whatever is, is your currency and a week of work. What I like to say is spend ideas, not money. Grab a colleague, you know, uh, book two hours of your whole week to write down what the idea is about, how would it change the business, does it make sense? I mean, if you can't write it down, it's probably not a good idea. Right. That's it. You saved money and time. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. You know, um, Bruno, you talk about the profitable innovation mm-hmm. trinity. What is mm-hmm. the profitable innovation trinity? What is that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, what what we talked about uh, developing ideas, mm-hmm. that is part of it. So I, I, I was just talking, you know, write down the idea, figure out how to develop it, etc. But the other part that's not so much thought about is innovation, because how uncertain it is, is also a numbers game. So a small business owner cannot count on one idea making that big difference in their life. They need to be doing, you know, may, maybe 10 to 20 ideas every month. Okay. So, so that, is, that is the other part. So what, what I call doing innovation is taking this idea and developing them. But then looking over all these 10, 20 ideas, mm. that's managing innovation, figuring out, okay, uh, that idea, I need to put Johnny on that idea and I need to follow up in a week. Oh, on that idea, Paula will be working on it and she's going to check up in two weeks. So all that, all that process. And then the third part, what I call changing appropriately. So mm. it's not enough to, to do that. And even when you're a small business, if you have one maverick in your organization, that's great. But if that person is, you know, 10 miles in front of everybody else, the others will not say, I want to follow Mike because he's so advanced. They will be saying, oh, pull Mike back in because he's too far. So it's important to remember that sometimes it's better to to move as a group for a mile than to stay as a group and one person moves for 10 miles. Right. Because you need to progress together. You need to move your small business together. Because if you're not, you risk losing people. And especially for smaller businesses, if you train someone for two years or even one year and then they leave you, it's a big waste, both yeah. of your time, but their time as well. So prevent it if you can. <laughs> Absolutely. I love that. I love that. I love what you said there. So um, where did you come up with um, augmented strategy, profitable innovation, Trinity? What what led you to do that? I know at the beginning of the call, you were talking about a little bit about your background, but Mm. why is it now you're teaching and showing other Mm. companies, Mm. corporations, Mm. entrepreneurs to Mm. do that? Where did that Mm. come from? Mm -mm. Mac, I got to tell you, no one ever asked me that. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, great, great question. Uh, what I would say, what I would say, this is coming from, uh, from my desire to, to share what I experienced and learn. 
as I told you, you know, I, I had good luck of kind of, you know, being sometimes at the right time in the right place. And I was always the curious kid, you know, asking questions. So how can I do this? How can I do that? And I, I had good fortune of experiencing a lot, being in different situations, working on some very, very difficult projects, etc. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen things, I've seen patterns in different industries, in different businesses, in different countries. I worked in Europe, in Australia, in the Americas. So I've, I've seen things that are repeated. And then w- what I realized from hard experiences, people don't react well to, to jargon. They don't react well to elitist language or language of methodologies. Right. And even though you know English isn't my mother tongue, but everybody in the Western world understands it. So yeah. what I'm trying really, really hard in everything is you know try to use plain language. And that's kind of when I look at the models, I try to illustrate them and put them on paper in a very, very concise way. For example, augmented strategy is less than 100 pages. That's, that's by design. It's easy to write 400 pages, yeah. but writing 100 pages where every page tells you something new, in the language that, that's accessible, mm. you know, it's it's something that I value very, very highly because I found it so valuable to learn from others. And then I try to share that as well. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, th- th- that comes as an answer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I get it. So um, I, I love what you've been saying. I love how this all your concepts helps people innovate, or entrepreneurs innovate and business owners in, innovate. Uh, for profitability. So for those who want to get in touch with you uh, or want to learn more or get get a hold of you, what is the best way for them to do that? What's the best way for people to connect with you? So uh, I make everything available on my website. It's www.pesec.no N-O for Norway. Uh, you will find there uh, all the all the things that you mentioned, a lot of things we discussed about, also my contact details. So if anyone is listening to this and just is curious about hearing more or getting extra material, just reach out to me or Mac. Mac also has my, my contact and also a lot of great material. And I'll be happy to, to point uh, the listeners in the right direction. As I said, I don't try to hide anything. I try to make everything accessible on the website. It's my way of paying it forward. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you very much for that, Bruno. And for all our listeners here, I want to say you've been listening to Bruno Peshek and he's passionate about helping businesses innovate for profitability. Get in touch with him. Let's see how he can help you to make more money through your business. There may be, there may be hidden profits that you're not aware of through your products or through your services. So Bruno, I want to say thank you for your time, your energy and your wisdom and your insights in this conversation today. Thank you, and I'll speak to you very, very soon.